Ah, how good does it feel to be back? Once again, ladies and gentlemen, we are at the beginning of another Formula One season. And, and this one has something special to it, you know. 2021 just seems to have that special charm with all the cars looking different, the influx of new drivers, and just that potential level of intrigue about can Red Bull finally dethrone Mercedes? All that is to be seen in the upcoming 22 races. But first, we start here in Bahrain. And today on the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pits to Podium, we shall dissect the five things you should watch out for in this week's Bahrain Grand Prix. Firstly, my name is Somal Rora and I'm joined by Kunal Shah right here with me. And Kunal, today we've got a whole host of topics to discuss. Firstly, what could happen in qualifying? What about the rookies? We can discuss about Sam Storms potentially coming in as well. And also there's a chance to see two sporting legends getting their first shot at redemption among other big stories. Hi, Somal. Thank you very much for that introduction. It's uh, great to be... Uh, you know, at the cusp of the first race of the season. I know the weekend has already started. You know, the business end of things is, uh, you know, tomorrow and then day after. Uh, lots of headline stories, uh, you know, to to sort of look forward to. We've just seen FP1 and FP2 get concluded. And I still think that the true form factor will only be seen at the end of the qualifying hour. So that's what I'm really looking forward to. Yes, you know, FP2 is as representative as it can get because of the conditions being as similar and, and so on. But lots of things to look forward to this weekend, Samuel. Exactly. And I'll start with the most dramatic one out here first, because one of our colleagues at Pitch the Podium, Nityan, the social media genius, now he noticed something that we all did in testing, right? Mercedes just not having the best of testing forms. And even in FP2 today, Kunal, not the best of outings for them. Hamilton third, Bottas fifth. And he said, well, Sandstorms are potentially going to be there for qualifying. Potentially, that is. If that is the case, we will have qualifying on Sunday morning if it does get interrupted. But he mentioned, is that really the weather playing its part? Or is that just all the sand that Mercedes is letting out by sandbagging all this time? <laughs> because it's really outrageous to see them not having a what a solid foolproof start to the year, which is what we've grown to with what we've grown to get used to. You know, I'm gonna reserve all the sandstorm comments till the start <laughs> of the qualifying hour. Because you know, qualifying is when we'll have all the correct fuel levels in place because you know that's when you want to get all your settings to get the fastest lap in place so fuel levels will be at their lowest but most importantly you know something which is also unknown is the engine modes that they would be using yes there are limits to the number of engine modes teams can use but at the same time this is that's you know qualifying hour is when you will make sure you have everything working on your car to get that one quick lap and you give that, you know, super quick car to the likes of a Lewis Hamilton and to the likes of, you know, Max Verstappen, both qualifying stalwarts, okay? Hmm. I'm pretty excited to see who actually comes out on top. And, you know, Bahrain has seen four different uh, pole sitters in the last four years. So we had, you know, in, in reverse order, I think we had Hamilton, Leclerc, Vettel, and Bottas. And I would love to see a fifth new driver or a different driver take pole position tomorrow. It should be so much fun to see, right? It's going to be such a fun battle right at the very top to see potentially what Valtteri Bottas could do, what Sergio Perez could do. And after looking at free practice, 
can Max Verstappen finally get that elusive pole position and just get one up over Lewis Hamilton in qualifying, which, quite frankly, has been quite a task to do. Let's see that. But Kunal at the back of the grid as well. George Russell has been an absolute marvel in qualifying for the last two years. What do you reckon he could do tomorrow? You know, George Russell will just do things that George Russell has been famous for when he races for Williams which is pull out that one qualifying masterstroke when he really needs to do that. You know, it seems like uh, he could he could be he could sort of target the Alfa Romeo cars, at least one of them, if not both mm-hmm. of them. And just getting into Q2 is again what uh, we will start celebrating when it comes to uh, George Russell Sommel. But I think a similar sentiment is what, you know, we may start feeling towards Mick Schumacher. You know, exactly. in, in in Haas, the three rookies this season, something else to look forward to, how they handle the pressure of being their first Grand Prix weekend and the likes. And, you know, we've said this before, but, you know, for Mick Schumacher, it would be perfect to emulate the the performances and the, the sentiment that, you know, we feel for George Russell, which is pull out that qualifying master stroke and, and see if he can sort of get one if not both Williams in you know uh, you know sort of be ahead of them and at least in FP2 he managed to do that to Nicholas Latifi so great start for uh, at least one of the rookies as well exactly and it's been so long I think 2012 since we've last seen that MSC initial on the timing tower now I know we're putting a lot of pressure on Mick Schumacher and it's been a story that's been well discussed and probably run to the ground at this stage. But seriously, what a heartwarming moment, right? To For that generation of fans, now unfortunately, I was only able to watch the comeback of Michael by the time I really got into the sport. But seriously, I can imagine for you, Kunal, being such a big Michael Schumacher fan, having met him and seeing his story all the way through, just to see those three letters back on the F1 timing sheet, something special, no? Very special, very nostalgic. Uh, you know, I think it's great for the Schumacher family. Like Mick said, he's got an emotional bond with it, much like millions of Formula One fans have a bond. And I'll also put it this way. I think it's a great marketing step, uh, uh, you know, by Formula One to do that because, you know, SCH doesn't mean anything, but MSC means everything to a lot of Formula One fans. (laughs) Fair point, that one. And also something interesting with Haas as well. You know, Sundaram has dug up an excellent style, which is the last time two rookies made their F1 debut at the same time together for one team was 2016. And you know for who it was? That was Manor, Rio Harianto and Pascal Wehrlein. And from what I can remember, Kunal, one of them actually ended up getting points in that season. That was Pascal Wehrlein. And, frankly, if that's going to be... I mean, I know I'm drawing absolutely rubbish parallels, but if that's ever going to happen, right, Haas seemingly have no chance of scoring points this season unless something huge happens. Who knows, maybe we could see Mick Schumacher or maybe Nikita Mazepin get those points. That could be critical for them. Yeah, I mean, you know, I filed my uh, pre-season column today on the bold predictions for 2021. I must admit I overlooked... Uh, Nikita Mazepin, maybe for very obvious reasons. Mm. But I have written down Mick Schumacher to score no points in 2021. And, you know, that's the thing about bold predictions. You you sort of don't want them to come true, you know. <laughs> uh, but, but like I said, you know, in, in the column as well, that 
for Mick Schumacher, it's not the points that will matter so much. Yes, scoring a point in Haas will definitely turn heads, right? But what will definitely matter is, you know, when he's able to convert those half chances into full chances and mm. showcase his talent. And, you know, again, a George Russell analogy. Uh, Robert Kubica scored a point, but that really didn't impress us as much as Russell's repeated qualifying performances. So that's something that, you know, we I'd look forward to. And then, of course, we've got Yuki Sonoda. You know, there's so much being spoken about his... Uh, rapid rise through the ranks of motorsport there's also a lot been spoken about his uh, you know drs tricks when it came to using uh, the wing early in pre-season testing so he's he's somebody that you know we'll all be looking out for but samuel you know three out of the last four races have been in bahrain right yes uh, the pre-season test was in bahrain and we said yes. this a few episodes ago just the quality of data that we will get to compare between the race last year, between testing this year, and then the race this weekend, mm. will give us a lot of insights into progress that teams have made, particularly uh, the 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 impact of the new aerodynamic rules, the sort of lap time that's been lost. We'll also be able to make correlations to just how much fuel could have you know teams carried in testing, and hence make more sense of their testing lap times as well. And I know, guys, this is where Formula One gets confusing. But this is also where it gets a lot of fun for a lot of us. Exactly. That's the best part, right? Knowing the variables and just not having any control over them. Watching them unfold is what makes it so much fun. Because if we all knew what was going to happen right before every race, would we even tune in? Which probably explains why numbers briefly declined when Hamilton was dominating so much. But hey, that's a different story for some <laughs> other day. But what's intriguing, Kunal, now that you mentioned this, is that Pirelli apparently came up and said that they don't expect lap times to be very different in the race trim. Even though the 2021 regulations theoretically should slow the cars down slightly. Now that's just engineering marvels, right? The Formula 1 race engineers, you give them nothing and they will just come up with something absolutely insane. That's the quality of the brains that we have right there in the operations. But the quality of the brains can also be reflected in the strategy. Now this is somewhere that Red Bull have been lacking in. They've only got one queen and uh, dare I say this in a very chess analog analogy of sorts, they've got, they've got a half pawn of sorts. They haven't quite been able to maneuver any strategic advantage. Now, the real, the real big question that we should be able to answer this weekend, at least get a glimpse of it, is that have they got a second queen? Have they got a rook? Have they got a bishop? Have they got a pawn? What is Sergio Perez like to that Red Bull operation? Because we saw at Yas Marina, when there are two Red Bulls going up against two Mercedes, it can really change the dynamic big time. It is the single most important reason why they've decided to give Sergio Perez a chance. Hmm. And, you know, for all the chess reasons that you said, to me, Formula One is simpler to understand than chess. <laughs> Although I must say, I love the Queen's Gambit on Netflix, much it's like... Amazing. It's amazing. I, I think I think, I think I liked that show more than I liked Drive to Survive. Not that I've finished <laughs> or maybe even started Drive to Survive, but anyway that's for another day but yeah i think come race day it's going to be crucial to see if you know red bull and mercedes are locked in battle to see which team is able to use which driver to sort of pull out uh, you know a competitive advantage using race uh, for race strategy on track that's going to be crucial uh, red bull haven't won a season opener race since 2011 and again thanks to sundaram for fantastic stats and you know you guys should go follow his handle 
on Instagram. It's beautifully curated. It's called at the rate MP Formula One, right? But back to Red Bull, it's going to be 10 years since they won their season opening, since uh, since they won a season opening race, right? Of course, we don't know if they'll win, you know, just because uh, Max Verstappen has stopped both the free practice sessions. It actually means nothing. But at least we know that if they do that on Sunday, it's 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 after 10 years that they've managed to do that. And a lot will ride on, you know, what Checo Perez is able to bring to their race strategy as well. Exactly. And also the Honda power unit. They've reached, they've recently, I beg your pardon, they've reduced the size of the engine. They've kind of made it smaller and deliver a greater degree of output. Now, how they have done that, I tried to read through the articles, but my mind is just not so technically inclined. It is just mind-boggling stuff how they've done that. And it is evident they do seem to be faster. But the bottom line, Kunal, is Bahrain a circuit that prefers, I mean, that suits rather the Red Bull more than the Mercedes because it's full of quick high-speed corners here and there, long straights. And indeed, Mercedes still are the ones to hold the advantage on the engine side of things. But I think it should be closer than last year. Knowing Bahrain, knowing the circuit that it is, it should be a close fight in the end. It should. <laughs> I think it should be a close fight. Uh, you know, it's uh, the typical setup for Bahrain is for low and medium speed corners uh, because the high speed corners are sort of taken uh, flat out. Uh, as we know by now, and given that, you know, three out of the last four races have been in Bahrain, there are two major overtaking spots, uh, you know, the breaking into turn one or the breaking into turn four as well. And, you know, cars are optimized for more mechanical grip. So that that sort of gives them uh uh, they, that gives them uh, traction out of the slower corners. So lots of things working in, in, in favor of giving us an entertaining race. Also very, you know, high degradation of tires. Uh, the wind comes into play, as we've seen even in preseason testing. The sand might come into play, whether it's from the Mercedes cars or from nature in general. Uh, so I expect a lot of, uh, you know, pit. Uh, I expect it to be multiple stopping uh, races, you know, uh, come Sunday. Uh, even though Pirelli are bringing the same uh, compound, you know, C2, C3 and C4 uh, this weekend as well. So uh, a lot of known factors and a lot of unknown factors as well that that should sort of spice up the race this uh, Sunday. Exactly. Should be very interesting. Also, form-wise, Kunal, we've seen quite a fair bit in testing. There just seems to be a good aura surrounding many teams. Just doesn't quite seem to be a good aura surrounding the others. Form basis, who would you select? I mean, not just for a victory, right? That's not the only thing what they're fighting for in Formula 1. There is so much else to be fighting for. There's the midfield battle, there's the lower midfield battle as well. If you had to pick out basically one key person to watch out for in each of these classes that we have in Formula 1, who would it be for you? I think I look out for Max Verstappen in the in the top of the field class, as we call it, or the Formula 1 class, as we call it. <laughs> Uh, in the midfield or the Formula 1.5 class, I would, I think I would watch out for what McLaren can do and more specifically Lando Norris. Mm. You know, it's his third season with the team. So there is definitely a lot of continuity that he sort of brings. Let's remember the new drivers, you know, whether they've sort of made, made, uh, going to make the debut this season or if they have switched teams, and lots of drivers have switched teams, oh, yeah. uh, or if they're a returning driver in the case of, say, Fernando Alonso, they might just need some more time before they are able to sort of optimize the 
you know, the performance of their, their car, uh, you know, on a Grand Prix weekend, because typically you sort of dial yourself in to go faster as the weekend uh, progresses, right? So I think, you know, Lando Norris, definitely, and coincidentally, he's done fairly well in the free practice sessions as well. And uh, in the lower uh, midfield or the back of the grid teams, it's tough to not choose George Russell, Samuel. Yeah, exactly. That's just the run of form that he's been on recently. And plus, we've got just a little bit of a soft side for that lovely Williams livery, right? And the Murray Walker tribute. Oh, heartwarming. If you haven't watched it yet, check the onboards once the episode has done that. Is don't leave us through midway and have a look at what they've done for Murray Walker. Such an excellent thing to see. But it should be great fun to see what Russell can make out of that car and also to see what the likes of Alfa Romeo, maybe even Alfa Tauri could do with that. Should be a lot of fun. But finally, Kunal, ending on a lighter note, I think another thing to watch out for is going to be Crofty perhaps having a less of a hard time because this year, finally, the liveries are different. I don't think he's going to have major confusions now, <laughs> apart from a few helmets here and there. Yes, you know, Lando Norris has got 23 helmet designs ready for oh. Formula One in 2021. <laughs> and, you know, I think that's a that's a marketing disaster for the sport in every way. A visual disaster for the Formula One broadcast guys. Also a lot of wastage of money, I would say. But again, personal choices that, that there are. And, uh, you know, all in all, it's just great that Formula One is back. We are able to start when we had sort of scheduled that we wanted to start, which is important. Uh, my most interesting time is going to be the the start and the opening lap uh, of the race on Sunday because, you know, Bahrain start, uh, the you know, the start line to the turn one is about 450, 470 odd meters, which is relatively short. And then, you know, we've got the right and the left-hander leading into turn four. And typically, we see lots of, you know, wheel banging, lots of, you know, cheeky overtakes, sometimes a scary accident as well. Mm. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm eager to see how, you know, drivers sort of end up tackling that and sort of going through lap one. And, you know, who, who makes up most positions, who, who ends up losing most positions and, and so on. It's, it's going to be a fun uh, Grand Prix weekend, Samuel. Absolutely, Kunal. Likewise, to be honest. But just the one last point that I have to discuss before we end is, unfortunately, in the last few years, many Formula 1 races have been just that, lap 1 competitions. And yes, you could end up saying that efficiency is boring. Teams have mapped things up to such a degree that they know exactly how things are going to play out. And eventually, that does take away a little bit of the charm away from it. And I just want to know your expectations, Kunal. The new regulations have come in, obviously, with the intent of trying to reduce the amount of downforce on the car, just to make it marginally better to make overtakes. Do you expect this one to be a lap one shootout and then just dull strategy? Or, or how do you expect this one to go? I mean, I'm not saying that strategy is dull, but it just, it just pre becomes very predictable in certain cases. True. Yeah, yeah. What you mean is, you know, we know if Hamilton pits on lap 20, then Portas will come in on 22, and then everything is just you know, clockwork for the teams, which is exactly. not necessarily fun for all of us. Personally, I'm a little buoyed by the changes uh, in, in uh, that we've seen on the cars. Uh, not so much so because they've slowed the cars down, you know, uh, but so much so because different teams are finding different ways to sort of deal with, uh, you know, the loss of aerodynamics. Like, for example, we know about McLaren's radical diffuser or, yeah. uh, you know, that they've brought in place. So I think that, the form factor will, uh, you know, uh, will change through the weekend. We will, uh, 
we will see competition on track, especially because it's the first race of the season. And uh, Bahrain doesn't always give dull races. And, you know, I sort of have a soft corner for Bahrain as well. It's one of the only Formula 1 tracks I've raced on as well. But... (laughs) That's the interesting part of having you on on the show. Just hearing that line, right? Having a co-host who said that I've actually raced on the Bahrain International Circuit. Mind-blowing stuff for me, personally. I, I can say that just once in the year or twice if there are two races in Bahrain. So... Very, very, uh, very sure, very small number of tracks that I've driven on. Bahrain ends up being one of them. But I think it's it's going to be a fun, exciting race under the lights. And uh, we don't know who's going to be doing what. We don't know if, you know, Aston Martin is going to be able to pull out something out of the bag because they weren't as quick, uh, you know, in free practice. We don't know if Ferrari are going to have an error-free weekend. And I think at, at some point next week, we'll all be digging into data to see if Ferrari have also sort of crawled back or clawed back some of their straight line speed deficit. So lots to look forward to for the first weekend before we are sort of forced into a three-week long break. Exactly. Should be great, great fun to see how things play out. And it's just, it's been just enough teasing to give us a brief idea of what to expect, but we still don't know. And that's what live sport should always be about. And folks, speaking of live, we've got something interesting for you. The Inside Line F1 podcast and Pitch to Podium go live immediately after the Bahrain Grand Prix ends. And we're going to try to do that for every single race on the Formula One season. I think around half an hour after the race is done, we'll go live for our post-race debrief show on YouTube and on our Facebook channels, Facebook channel as well. So make sure that you join us right there. It's going to be a fun discussion. We're going to have a lot of interactions, lots of engagements. You can make your voice feel heard and we can have a discussion on Formula One and the race that happened. Should be good fun. It will. It's going to be just great to go back to dissecting the race immediately after on the Sunday with you, Samuel, and I look forward to doing that right away. So, folks, have a good race weekend. Enjoy the race, and hopefully we get a really good one in Bahrain. And until next time, folks, see you right here. Don't forget to like, to leave, to leave a like, to subscribe, to share the podcast and the video on whatever channel you're watching, and also to leave a constructive comment if you enjoyed this one. See you, folks. Good night. Bye-bye.